Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And we got a problematic fave for you here, everybody. I know, and this one's tough. This one's tough, but honestly, this has um, ruined her for me. We are talking about J.K. Rowling, and I already knew a lot of this stuff, but seeing it all compiled together, I will always love Harry Potter. I will watch the movies and read the books over and over again, but... JK. What's yeah, I mean, it's this one's tough for me because I adore I would say that Harry Potter is probably my number one fandom. I'm rereading the books right now. I just rewatched all eight movies. I got Anthony to sit down with me through um the holiday break and watch them so with me. So he didn't fall asleep during Harry Potter? He fell asleep during <laughs> the end of the first one and the end of the second one, which okay. I think is fair because those ones are the most childish. Yes. And they're long. Okay. Yeah. They're like two and a half hours yeah, long. Max I get it. has never seen them, so he wants to watch like the younger ones like during the day sometime when we're both home. Yes, then- you have to watch them for context. Yeah. But it, as an adult, like things don't get interesting until like yeah. later on. Yeah. But I, I love it. I love it. I'm probably gonna go to Harry Potter World for my birthday this year. Of it's, course. It's, it's a huge it's part amazing- of my childhood. And I'm rereading the books for the first time since I originally read them, and it's oh. a wonderful, like, magical experience, and well, I, I get it. the world she created mm-hmm. is so beautiful and very detailed, and um, right. it's just, it's a great and as escape. a child, it filled me with so much, like, See, joy. I read them. I read the books when I was 19 or 20, and it was when I was leaving... I had just left inpatient treatment and I was in day treatment and kind of going through the process of slowly getting out. And I was kind of like rebuilding my life from scratch, it felt like. And there was something so comforting about reading the Harry Potter books for the first time because it was so childlike and I could get really into it. And it was this other world that I felt like I could step into yes. for a little bit. Like, and it was, I still feel that way. I'm yeah. almost 30, and reading the books, I'm rereading. I finished the first one. I'm almost done with the second one now. And rereading them, it does... Even though you know it's a child story and it's really told from that perspective, it still feels like an escape for me. Well, and it you know? brings you back to almost that feeling of childhood where you can um, appreciate the things that you did when you were mm-hmm. a kid because you're reading it through the eyes of a child. Yeah, well, and you, it's a safety, right? It yeah. feels like very safe. And you can get excited about those childhood things because Harry is getting excited about those childhood right. things, you know? So, when talking about J.K. Rowling, let's start with the good stuff, because I do think it's important to acknowledge that stuff, because there are always people who, when we talk about the problematic shit, uh, will fire back with all the good things that she's done. Yeah. And this is just an illustration of how people are very complicated. Like, nobody is... 
a hundred percent bad takes, right? Yeah. Like they have like good takes in their history. Yeah. And I don't want to diminish that at all. So JK Rowling, she rose from poverty. That's a big thing. It's like yeah. she was really poverty stricken. She wrote the story for Harry Potter on a napkin and then yeah. she was kind of launched into this immediate fame, really. Yeah. And she became one of the most wealthy and influential authors of an entire generation. And yep. since then, she's been very well known for her charitable works. Yeah. She achieved billionaire status uh, because of the success of the Harry Potter series. But she is no longer a billionaire because she donated so much of her fortune yeah. to charity. In 2011, she donated 16% of her total net worth, um, which was about $160 million. So... I think that's insanely admirable. You yes. cannot point to a lot of billionaires who have lost their billionaire status because for most people, what it takes to become a billionaire is liking money to a very unhealthy degree. Yeah. And I would say there are very few ethical billionaires. I yeah. think most billionaires are, um, you know, pretty shitty. Yeah. In order to maintain that kind of wealth, you have to be. Um, in 2018, her charities donated more than £8 million to various causes, uh, and her, she has her own charity called Lumos, and it's an international nonprofit organization whose main goal is to aid orphan children in troubled situations. Mm -hmm. and very Harry Potter. Very, very Harry Potter. Yes, yeah. it is. And um, she also fervently supports the Anne Rowling Regenerative Neurology Clinic, which is located in Edinburgh because her mom had suffered from multiple sclerosis, and it's actually what killed her in 1990. Okay. She's also been very outspoken on Twitter for her dislike of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And so she's actually been known for her liberal politics yes, in a she, lot of ways. She considers herself to be... A radical feminist in a lot of ways. And I think as feminism is evolving, we're starting to notice more and more of her blind spots and some things that we don't agree with on this show. I would consider J.K. Rowling, even though her age would indicate that she should be more of a third wave feminist. I think a lot of her blind spots when it comes to um, the things that we're going to talk about later in regards to like transphobia and things like that mm -hmm. are very second wave minded. Ideas, yeah. Like I think that she's kind of stuck. And I've also heard and I read a couple of articles uh, talking about how it's also a big problem in Britain. Okay. Right now, like it's a it's a big UK feminism issue okay. uh, that they're butting up against, and that may be not that we don't have turfs in the United States, right? But I think that that may be also a slight difference uh, culturally between yeah. like American and and English or right. It's it's the different topics that they are focusing on currently in the UK that maybe isn't as focused on. I mean, yes, trans rights are very focused on in the US. I feel it needs to be more, but I feel like the idea of a turf might be a little bit more discussed in the UK. I don't know. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm not entirely yeah, sure. I'm not if, trying to say that's a fact. No, but I mean, um, if you are if you are an English... And again, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. Uh, but if you are somebody from the UK, please let us know your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, please. But, so let's get into the not-so-good stuff. Okay. Uh, there was a very stark, and as, again, somebody who just rewatched the series and is rereading the books, lack of diversity in the books. Yes. Like... Um, a huge lack of diversity. Um, in 2007, 
JK wrote a now famous tweet verifying that Dumbledore was gay. Yes. And while some people in the LGBTQ community felt very validated by this, there were others who were rightfully pretty skeptical. Yes. Well, what she's doing is something called being act react retroactively progressive. So she she, you know, there were people who were like, Dumbledore might be gay, and she's like, you're right, he is gay. After the books are done, after the movies have come out, everything is already kind of tied with a bow, and mm-hmm. she's saying, you're right. But if you go back and read the books, I had I had that idea in my head, too, from a, certain ways that Grindelwald and Dumbledore were described with their relationship, but they could have just been very close childhood friends. And um, if you are going to, if you in your head your character is gay... And you want to have a gay representation in your story, you should make it more obvious to it should the be reader. Explicitly stated. Yes. It should be explicitly and it, stated. It doesn't have to be like, Dumbledore is gay in the text of the book, but it could be, you know, uh, give us more idea of what their relationship is then. You right. can't just say after the fact that he's gay and expect people's imaginations to be the proof of that. It you know? feels like she's falling over herself to be woke, yes. you know, which is a problem, and it feels very pandery. There were seven books. There were eight movies. You had plenty of opportunity. These aren't small books, right? You had plenty of opportunity to establish that kind of understanding or relationship. And yeah. so it's it it's not real representation. It's not. Because there's no proof that that is actually what you intended. Well, and then she went on with assisting with the Fantastic Beast movies and they had the movie of uh the Grindelwald movie coming out which we'll talk about that just that came in a little out. bit that just came out right. like this past year right I think it was last Christmas last Christmas yeah. yeah and I mean we'll get into why that's problematic in other ways but the thing that people were really upset about is that they well first of all they were excited because it was going to be a movie including Grindelwald and Dumbledore when they were younger and so they believed that there would maybe be some of their story was going to be told because this isn't from the Harry Potter books. This is something completely different. Right. And this is post whenever she said that Dumbledore is gay. So yes. we were like, okay, well, if he's gay and they're supposed to have had a relationship and we're going to be in time. this movie. Yeah. Show us that. And the filmmakers and J.K. Rowling were basically like, we are not going to be exploring that side of the story. Explicitly, right? Yeah, there were yeah. there were things... I never saw the most recent one. I saw Mm-mm. the first Fantastic Beasts. I Beast, will see it. But not this one. Um, and there were things that I believe alluded to the idea, but once yeah. again, it was not something that was explicitly stated. They were, yes, because the fans know what she tweeted back in 2007 or whatever about Dumbledore being gay. So when the fans are seeing the movie and they have this information already, they are able to Infer. connect the dots mm-hmm. and see the story for something else. But in my opinion, that's not enough. It's you not, know what because, I mean? because some kid going to see Fantastic Beasts isn't going to pick up on representation. Right. If they don't understand the backstory of Dumbledore and the tweet that she made, it needs to be an obvious representation for young gay youth to be able and to it, look at it, and, anyway. un- and feel... Represented. A tweet right? is not how you do it either. Like, if that's what she wanted, she wrote a book called Fantastic Beasts. She yeah. could have made it explicit in that book, like, what the relationship was. Yep. And likewise, um, after someone online had mentioned that the description of Hermione in the yep. first Harry Potter book, brown eyes, frizzy hair, um, could be a black girl, the internet blew the fuck up, of course. There were lots of racists on one side and lots of black Hermione stands on the other side. Yep. And things escalated after Harry Potter and the Cursed Child cast was revealed and um, they cast Hermione as a black woman. 
And JK actually called people who assumed that Hermione was white racist. Yep. But again, if Hermione was meant to be black, why wasn't it explicitly stated in the books? And it was explicitly stated that, that she, she was, was white. white in the third book. So you're calling people. You see people, her white face peeking through the forest. You're telling her she's white. Right. In the third book, they, they she actually comes out and says that Hermione is white and then gets upset when people assume that Hermione is white. But also, and I had this conversation at the time when Cursed Child came out. I had yeah. this conversation with my friend Amari, who is also biracial. We had an entire conversation because she was upset. And I was saying, well, here's just the cold, hard, sad fact is that. If you write a colorblind character, yes. quote unquote, the default is white. It will always be white. If you want to add, just like the default will always be straight, unless yep. you explicitly state that. So if you want because representation, of norms. right? If you want representation for these groups, you need to explicitly state that Hermione is black, like you did for every other black character yes, in the fucking because books. Because she makes a point that Dean Thomas, Kingsley Shackleblatt, and Blaze Zambini are black, right? And that actually struck me as I read reread the first book that. In whenever Harry gets to Hogwarts and he's meeting all the other Gryffindors, she describes all the Gryffindors she's meeting. She says, "Dean Thomas, a black boy." Yeah, she says it. So you can't be upset or call yeah. people racist for assume. I mean, there were some racist. Listen, there were a lot of yeah. racist people who were upset about the idea of a black Hermione. Yeah, but you set it up that way, and you can't create a system and then be upset when people are kind of. Yeah. Clinging on well, to and then you even look at like the illustration in the original books where Hermione is depicted. She is not depicted as a black person. You know, there's also I've read um, people's dissatisfaction with the way that Cho Chang is represented. You know, it's just a very interesting um, thing that she did when it came to race, what she chose to include and mm-hmm. what she chose to exclude. And then later on, again, this retroactive like. Pro- like being progressive after the fact of saying, yeah, Hermione's black when really there's no, well, then why didn't you cast a black girl in the movies? Why didn't you say that she was black in the books? Right. And it, and you, in fact, explicitly said she was white several yes. books in. Yeah. I mean, you could have easily had done that if you wanted. And so to me, it makes all of her tweets that retroactively come back and seem progressive seem very hollow because yeah. It, she's saving her ass at that point. It's clear to me that she's kind of making this shit up as she goes along mm-hmm. based on criticism that she's receiving. Well, and then did you hear somebody tweeted something about, like, my wife is saying that there's no Jews at Hogwarts. Yes. And I'm Jewish, so that means she's the only wizard in the house or whatever. And J.K. Rowling responded that there was someone by the name, by the last name of, like, Goldstein, I yes. think. And she was like, he's, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, Rowling responded, Anthony Goldstein, Ravenclaw, Jewish wizard. Which, is that the but, only Jewish name she knows? Because I think in Fantastic like, Beasts, their last name is Goldstein. Come on, it? Goldstein. And, um, uh, and that's like, th- there's no story behind it. There's no, like, who is this person? Well, and again, who is it, this person? It, 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 nobody. The person doesn't exist. She yeah. just made it up right then. And again, if it wasn't represented in the books... What yeah. good does that do me? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because, yes, every year at Hogwarts, they celebrate Christmas. They make a point to talk about it. And it's strange to me that she would kind of cast these token characters, right? You have the Pervarty yeah. twins who are clearly supposed to be Indian or some other kind of, like, South uh, East Asian um, background. She talks about black characters, and she has Cho Chang, and I think in her mind she thinks she's being inclusive yeah. by doing those things. But then 
she has such massive blind spots when it comes to you've got an entire wizarding world. Why yeah. are they all celebrating Christmas? Like, it yeah. doesn't make well, sense. Well, and it's interesting, too, because if you look at the years that these books were written, I believe that a way that she could combat a lot of what she is getting flack for with what we're saying with lack of representation is that, you know, I wrote those books this many years ago. If I were writing them today, my my inclusion of different races, cultures, sexualities would be very different. Right. And I'm going to do my best to help in my further writings and in further um, involvement with the Harry Potter world to make it a more diverse and accepting place and with these ideas I That have. is how she should have responded. But she did not. Because that I, I think people would understand that, right? Yes. She started writing the books in, the in 90s, 1997. Right? Yeah. So it's like... It was a different kind of time. We looked at things very differently. Mm -hmm. It would make sense for her to say, you know, it. and she also, when she wrote the first book, she probably had no idea how big of a hit it was going to of become, course. like what kind of like phenomenal. And, and that and that would be a good excuse as well. Like, you know, right. I wrote this on a bus on a napkin with the idea and, you know, she could even say the inspirations for the book are people from her life or her experiences. She is not a black woman. She is not gay. Right. Like, all of those things, to me, they don't excuse lack of representation in today's world. Right. But they they explain the thought process behind what she's writing and the right. world, because it's coming from her head as a straight white woman. And what you could have done is then say moving forward, because she has created new things, yes. like Cursed Child was not good. Yeah. Um, but she has created these new kind of expansions Expansions. You've got Fantastic Beasts, you've got Cursed Child, you've got these expansions on the Harry Potter universe mm -hmm. um, that really she could have moved forward in a different direction and she didn't. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people in the LGBTQ community uh, had an issue with in Cursed Child, you have the kind of queer baiting. Right. It, yeah. it was. I was going to mention was, that. They were coded, kind of, right? Yeah. So you have. Albus Severus, who's supposed to be Harry Potter and Ginny Weasley's son. son. And then you have Scorpio Malfoy, I think. Yes, is his I name. think that's his name. Um, and he is, of course, Draco Malfoy's son, and they're going to school together at Hogwarts. And throughout the entire play, it's kind of coded that these two may have a queer relationship in some way. Yes. And then at the end, it's very much established that that's not the case. Yeah. And which is fine if that's what you intended. But it's, but it's queer baiting. But you had an opportunity as well, right? Yes. Like, so you can write, you're the author, you're the creator, you can do whatever you want with these things, that's your prerogative. But also, like, you had a very clear opportunity yeah. to do something different if you say you want to, which you obviously do, because you keep talking about how you, you know... But she you doesn't are want to. No, because but if she really wanted to, she, she would have. But she keeps saying how progressive she is, right? Yeah. She keeps trying to demonstrate how progressive she is. And it's just like, well, if you were really that progressive, yeah. you would have made changes as you move forward with yeah, your work. Yeah, here, here were your opportunities, mm -hmm. and you didn't do anything with them. I agree. There was a writer, Kaylee Ann, uh, from The Independent, and she said, Rowling has talked up the number of LGBTQ and Jewish characters in the series. The problem is we never see those elements of characterization in the books themselves. The faith, race, and sexuality of her characters has been shoehorned in retroactively, and it can't help but ring hollow. Yeah. So, I mean... It that, rings deathly hollow. De 
But I, I did. I wrote in my notes. I was like, seriously, just take the L. Admit yeah. that you made missteps. Yep. That that's the best thing that she could have done, and she didn't do it. And it became yeah. a meme, basically, on the internet that she keeps she keeps making changes, making things yeah. canon, right? Yeah. Like to the series. Yeah, it's, crazy. it's a very weird thing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about her support of Johnny Depp, All right. which I believe we discussed on a mini episode when this was we happening did. last year. Yeah. So uh, we don't need to get into the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation. I'm going to expect that you know it by now. So basically. After all of this information about Johnny Depp having abused his wife, Amber Heard, it came out that he was going to be cast in Fantastic Beasts as Grindelwald. So not only were we disappointed that Dumbledore and Grindelwald didn't have any sort of the relationship that she hinted at, Mm -hmm. she cast... An abuser. Well, she I, helped cast and support. She, she did an help abuser. cast. Yes, I think that we had a bit of grace at first because if you watch the first Fantastic Beast movie, um, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but you see Johnny Depp at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is revealed to be Grindelwald at the end yes. of the movie. But they and could have recast. At that time, we didn't know all of yeah. this stuff, but they had the opportunity before the next movie was made, and it's not just. J.K. Rowling, David Yates, the director, also yeah. were like, well, couldn't do it. Yeah, well, they they were basically saying, and I've heard this, remember when Selena Gomez was working with um, fucking, what's his name? I know you're talking about, but it's, uh, it's a loot. The, the uh, Annie Hall director, what's Woody his name? Woody Allen. Allen. When Selena Gomez was defending working with Woody Allen, she was like, I'm able to separate the personal life from the business side of things. And I came down very hard on her, and I am going to come down very hard on J.K. Rowling. Well, and in in my perspective, I think that that was David Yates's perspective, was like, I uh, first of all, this isn't entirely my decision, is basically what David Yates said. There's, like, producers involved. And yeah. secondly, I am going to separate out those issues. J.K. almost explicitly said, I don't believe her. Like, yeah, and said that she was happy about the casting. Right, she, and she said, I took a look at this, I made up my own mind, and I'm happy to have Johnny Depp on board, which yes. to me says... I don't, I don't believe, believe Amber, Amber Heard. Heard. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So one tweet says, J.K. Rowling's legacy is literally about a boy who has been emotionally and physically abused and the danger in looking the other way because the truth is inconvenient. J.K. Rowling saying she doesn't believe Amber Heard and is happy to keep a wife beater employed is disgusting. Fuck her. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's very upsetting because really, you gotta practice what you preach, girl. Like, you are telling us this story about this boy who has been emotionally and physically beaten down by this family meant to live in a closet like this is like kind of depressing if you think about it in a reality standpoint like having some boy living under the stairs and being treated bad food and bad clothing and not being cared for and not being loved and then finally you know finding his acceptance in this magical world where he can be who he wants to be and yet when you look the an abuser in the eye and you say that's okay i will have you be a part of that world that's almost taking away the safety of that story in a way too i mean yes. kids kids don't know the story they don't understand the johnny depp situation for the most part but you're allowing that narrative into that wizarding world in a way well and more than that at this point harry potter is not just about kids no right like most of the people who who are the biggest fans of harry potter are adults yeah, right? they because were kids like, when Harry Potter came out, and now they're adults. We're adults. Yeah. And to us, we do know, and we can put our money, 
in certain places. I'm a part of Harry Potter groups on Facebook, and people were incredibly disappointed. Yeah. And a lot of people did not go see it. I, I didn't will go not see it. see it. I saw the first um, Fantastic Beast movie in I theaters. I heard it was not very good. It was fine. I thought yeah. it was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. To me, it's more about the magic of the world, so yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was learning more. I would love to watch the second movie, but I haven't done that. Um, I would have gone and saw it in theaters. You yeah. see, like I would have. And I done love it. and like Zoe Kravitz was in it, and I right. love her. But you've taken away some of the magic for me, yeah, because you've taken away some of my trust, right? Yeah, like, you have, and and the fact that she is so hypocritical in her message when it comes to abuse. And then outwardly defending an abuser, saying you are happy to have them be a part of your world, is something for me that is a huge slap in the face. It goes well, against she, everything that you've taught. She also clearly doesn't know when to shut the fuck up. Either, yeah, she doesn't. It's kind of She's, like, you can hold whatever beliefs you want, wrong beliefs, um, still... For you to come out just, like, brazen and say it. Yeah. Because I've even said on this podcast, like, there has been speculation as to how much um, maybe they abused each other. Yeah. Doesn't make Johnny Depp right. Doesn't make me want to keep him on a movie. Doesn't make Amber Heard right either. If no. She's, if she's also abusing him, if, like... If that's the case, but that's not who was under the microscope right yes. now. Like, Johnny Depp is under the microscope in this situation. Yes. And so that's who we needed to look at in this situation. And if you were going to cast Amber Heard, maybe then you would look into more of that you know you just have to be aware and and the industry is changing uh, you know, you know post Harvey Weinstein I mean yes we are I feel like we are forgetting a lot of what was really important last year especially looking at the Golden Globes this year and seeing lack of like female representation Ooh, it's so white and oh god the Golden so Globes white. were so white they I watched were, it they were very white and they were very male so I think that we are forgetting a lot of the the lessons we were starting to learn last year but this was also taking place last year where I feel like there was such a microscope on the entertainment industry and their decisions in casting and who you know the whole canceled culture who's canceled right. who's and not and to be so blatant to um kind of reject that mm -hmm. was really upsetting. I read another article uh, that said, why hasn't Depp faced the consequences of the Me Too movement? Yeah. Was it because his abuse came out in 2016? As Te Texas Monthly writes, Amber Heard alleged... Uh, blah, blah. Amber Heard alleged that Johnny Depp abused her a year before Me Too. Has the timing allowed him to evade consequences? I feel the same way about James Franco. I feel like he's kind of... That guy's um, Teflon for some reason. Nothing fucking sticks to him, and he's had yeah. so many things come out. I, I, yeah, I wonder I wonder what it is about him that protects him so much. Because I, I see, I see um, James Franco and Johnny Depp as being very similar. Like, no one's kind of... Um, dropped their support of James Franco at right. all, and it's very confusing to it's me. It's weird. But, I mean, I think a lot of people have started to change their views of Johnny Depp, yes. but the fact that he was still chosen to be part of the movie and they were still kind of pushing him into that spotlight and having him be a part of such a huge franchise was something... That and, and unnecessary. Like to be honest, Johnny Depp's style of acting, I think, would work well within the Harry Potter world. Yes. I get it, but there are a lot of actors who would do a great job. Yes. there was no reason to have kept him on. Really, yeah, it was a bit unnecessary. Yeah. And even Daniel Radcliffe uh, pointed out that the decision to keep Johnny Depp in the franchise oh, was strange because he told Entertainment Weekly, "I suppose the thing I was struck by was we did have a guy who was reprimanded for weed on the." original Harry Potter film, yep. um, es and essentially. He was, it was one of, it was like Crab and Goyle, right? Right. That was it was off. Crab. It was Crab. Yeah. Like, and you see, in the last two movies, he's not in them. And he's, uh, blah, 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 blah. And so, 
Jenny Radcliffe went on to say, so obviously what Johnny has been accused of is much greater than that. Yeah. And he's talking about Jamie Wyatt, who played Vincent Crabb and was dropped from the seventh and eighth films after he was arrested for growing ten marijuana plants. (sighs) And so... You know all those kids were smoking weed. Of course. Yeah. They're kids. Yeah. And I also loved that... Johnny Depp. Oh, Johnny Depp. I love that Daniel Radcliffe was able to call out that hypocrisy of just like, look, man, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. And I believe David Yates also is the one who directed the seventh and eighth movies. I believe so. So it's the same director. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's only because Johnny Depp is Johnny Depp that you're yeah. allowing this to happen. And I like that Daniel Radcliffe, who is really just as much of the face of the franchise as J.K. Rowling is at yes. this point, I would say, is a, it doesn't feel afraid to kind of bite the hand that fed him a little bit and say, look, what you're doing is wrong. Right. I think that takes a lot of courage because I don't know... And he has a good relationship with J.K. Rowling, as far as I know. He does, and it's interesting. Has Emma Watson said anything you know, I don't know. I bet she I has. I, I, I she hope has. she has. I'm not going to say one way or the other, but Emma Watson, you know, is this self-proclaimed feminist. She has started the He for She movement and like... And she she tends to um, practice what she preaches as far as I've does. seen. Yeah, so yeah. I would I, imagine she probably... I would imagine if she hasn't said anything, she would if she was explicitly asked. I bet yeah, she Yeah, I think that she would. But it was... It, there is something also about um, the male ally aspect of Daniel Radcliffe standing up and saying something that is really um, impactful for me as well. I think that he was the best person, you know, along with, of course, I would love the entire cast to get behind him. But I think that as a starting point, he is the best person to start that conversation to say that, like, yes, this is part of, like, that was a huge part of my life, and I can still say that that was fucked up, you know? Right. Well, I mean, just, and sheerly coming at it from a hypocrisy standpoint. Yes. Of just saying, like, you... If you have somebody who's accused of something so awful and yet other people wouldn't be able to get away with this. Like, it's sheerly because of celebrity yeah. that we're allowing this to go on. Like, yeah, honestly. Exactly. Um, do we want to talk a little bit of cultural appropriation right yes, now? Yes, we do. Okay. So, uh, JK expanded her universe to include a history of magic in North America yeah. on the Pottermore website. And I read she had an entire, um, she had an entire post about the history of Ilvermorny, which is the American counterpart yes. to Hogwarts. I read it. It's long. It's interesting because yeah. I love, you know, she weaves a good story. She does. I enjoy that kind of, She's you know, fanciful yeah. writing. And so I enjoyed reading about the origins of this school. But what I will say, it feels pretty icky yes. when I was reading it because essentially... I'll give you, like, a summary. So there was a witch who came over from Ireland, Irish witch. Yes. So she came over whenever the colonies were being founded. White witch. Okay? Yes. Like, white as in skin tone white. Yeah. Um, And she came over. She ran into all manner of magical creatures, and these are all creatures from Native American folklore. So yes. she's running into creatures of native from Native American folklore, and then whenever she goes to create the wizarding school, she's using these creatures as the houses. So instead yes. of like Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, and Slytherin, she's using um, the horned snake, the Pukwudgie, the Thunderbird, and the Wampus, which are all kind of Native American creatures. And yeah. to me. That looks like an opportunity to celebrate Native American culture that has been completely mistreated. Well, and it feels very um, 
colonialist. It feels, sorry, it feels very much like colonialism. Yes. Right? So you have a white, white lady witch coming come over here, appropriating Native American culture and starting to a form school this out of school. It. Whenever, again, JK, you had the opportunity mm-hmm. if you wanted to pay homage to um, Native American spirituality, which also. There's mixed feelings about that within the Native American community. I right. read things that were just to like... To be calling it magic straight right. up and things yeah. like that. Yeah, Don't use our, like, our beliefs. spiritual beliefs as, like, magic, right? Yeah. It's it's weird, and it, it does kind of fetishize Native American culture in a weird way. But if... Okay, so even with all that, if you wanted to celebrate Native American culture, why not have Native Americans found the school? The school! Like, That's exactly what I thought. It feels very strange to have a white woman come in, appropriate the culture, and found the greatest wizarding school in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it definitely feels that way because they explicitly state in the story how much um, Ilvermorny was based on Hogwarts. That's yeah. why there are four houses, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So it does feel like colonialism in that it is a branch off of England, right? Yes. It was like England came over and developed something English in America. Yes. And we used Native American um, imagery to do that. And, you know, it would have been interesting, too, if there was a story involving kind of colonialism in that. That would be actually very fascinating to talk about how, you know, the white witches came and changed the landscape of quote-unquote magic in the United States. Right. I think that would be kind of an interesting That would be fascinating. Story. Yes. Yeah, like, and having and having those characters uh, be very real and, like, maybe even retaliating against the school, but then also then the school wouldn't be the heroes. So right. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I mean, that wouldn't make sense. But also, maybe that's a conversation that needs to be had. It's just like... Exactly. Y- maybe you're not the heroes. Or, like, maybe if you came in and... Because also, she ends up marrying a um, nomad, which is a muggle. She ends up marrying... But again, so she has white children whose parents died. Their wizarding parents died. She adopted them. And she marries a white muggle. And they found the school together. And the four of them, four white people, are the ones who decided on the names for the houses. Each of them did. And to me, I'm just like, mm. JK, you had the opportunity to do something so interesting yeah. here. Like, and girl, instead, instead, you made it all about these white people. And um, Paula Young Lee writes in Salon, she says, whether consciously or not, she's legitimized whiteness as a cultural institution and a power structure, yeah. replicating the patterns of historical colonialism by establishing wizard schools in faraway places. Girl, do better. There's no do reason better. for it. And it's just like, a lot of her stories, when you read, like, a history of magic in North America, have to do with um, things like skinwalkers, things that are taken out of Native American culture yeah. and mystified and turned into this, like, mythical kind of magical... Yes. You know, the the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is something completely fabricated out of your imagination, and you have the right to make it how you want because it's your world. But when you're taking real aspects such as colonialism and Native American cultures, you do not have artistic license 100% to make your world exactly how you want it in your head. You do have some sort of liberty to actually pay homage to right, because you're those com- cultures. completely ignoring the culture. If you yes. weren't doing that, if you were pulling from the culture while, like, having a conversation with Native Americans, pulling them into the 
conversation, doing anything. Because I could totally see, you know, there is something very interesting about North America in that we have a completely different set of, um, you know, kind of magical creatures yes. that exist in the North America in North America that don't necessarily exist in England, right? Where England has like Loch Ness and they have dragons and yeah. they have these other things that come from their own um lore and culture. America does have things like, you know, the jackalope and we yeah. have things like the thunderbird and we have those kinds of things. Yeah. And yes, some of it comes from Native American culture, but if you had just taken a fucking second and yeah. not centered your story around whiteness, yeah. then maybe it would be okay. And then and maybe then don't include Native American aspects. If that's if you're not going right. to take the time to explore that and to give it justice, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be because like I was trying to say earlier, it's like, that is not a made-up thing. You are not making up a culture in your head. It is a real culture that exists, mm-hmm. and you are mistreating it. You do not right. have the artistic license to then change what you want out of their beliefs and what you don't want right. out I of mean, their beliefs. Also, there's lots of creatures that exist in, in like, kind of cultural lore. Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Baby. right? Like Bring in Bigfoot. a lot of, of creatures like that that exist... Um, that are not necessarily tied to any yeah. kind of uh, culture like that. And I, th- I found this interesting. Dr. Adrian Keene, who's a Native American studies scholar, she wrote a blog post called Magic in North America Part 1. Ugh. Which <laughs> I, I think, love oh, it. Oh, wait, I think I read part yeah, of that. I think yes. It, we read the same article <laughs> yeah. for, for some of our research, I can tell. Um, but it lays out some problems with the story. And she said, We fight so hard every single day as Native peoples to be seen as contemporary, real, full, and complete human beings and to push away from the stereotypes that restrict us in stock categories of mystical, connected to nature shamans or violent savage warriors. Colonialization erases our humanity, tells us that we are less than and that our beliefs and religion are uncivilized, that our existence is incongruent with with modernity. This is not ancient history. This is not the past. The ongoing oppression of Native peoples is reinscribed every day through texts and images like this trailer. How in the world could a young person watch this and not make a logical leap that Native peoples belong in the same fictional world as Harry Potter? That is exactly what I was thinking and unable to say. Right, That's exactly, she said it so well. Yeah, like how how are we supposed to then? Like you're giving you're giving too much. Like uh, there's that whole thing where it's like remember that your audience is smart, but also talk to them like they're dumb. You know how right. are you supposed to watch it and pick up on these things? Like you're watching what you're watching, and you're going to understand what you're seeing as being fact or it's it's perpetuating this idea of native americans right. either being savages or being these otherworldly like you know shamans and things like right. that. Right. And if you wanted to include that culture, then I would say there was a more respectful way of doing that. Like yeah. there's a way of saying like Native Americans have some very powerful witches and wizards in their yes. community and like including that into your world rather than just taking yeah. some of their spiritual aspects and throwing the rest of their and I believe story that, away. And I know? believe that's something that's really important just in our everyday lives as well, you know, like where where I grew up and where you grew up as well. Like there's a right. very strong Native American presence. Yeah. Uh, especially up north Minnesota where I have my cabin, a lot of times, you know, there are all these little cute stores. And they would sell uh, Native American jewelry a lot of times, mm-hmm. but it was really cool because they would they would trade goods, right? They and would it, give something yes. to the Native American 
We've said it many times on this show. There is absolutely a difference between appropriation and appreciation. Sometimes that line gets muddy and people try and say that something's appreciation when it isn't. But there is something to be said for you and I both kind of coming from cultures, me from New Mexico, you from um, Minnesota, where there is a very strong Native American presence, where you can appreciate a culture, you can even kind of monetarily help that culture by purchasing product items from that culture. There are things that you can do, but the point is not to take it as your own. Yes. You know what I mean? And make it about yourself. Like, that's where the problem comes. um, Should we talk a little bit about J.K. Rowling being a TERF and what a TERF is and all the fun stuff? Yes. So, I mean, I would say up until this point, right? Obviously, we've talked about a lot of extremely questionable things, but nothing that, to me, would make me say, I'm going to cancel this person, right? Like This is pretty extreme. Right. Like, up until this point, the cultural appropriation, the, you know retroactively trying to make things progressive the even the things with Johnny Depp all bad but none of it makes me feel like okay I've got to cancel JK as a human being yeah um like for the for the Johnny Depp thing it's like well I'm not gonna watch the movie but right this and that's is a bad take right yeah, this is something that is uh not good really hard to swallow guys yes. so for those of you who don't know what a turf is a turf is an acronym for transgender exclusionary radical feminist and she tweeted something, and before I read her tweet, I want to tell you about someone named Maya Forstarter, which is the woman that she was tweeting in support of. Maya Forstarter worked as a tax expert for a nonprofit who lost her job because of tweets she posted on transgender identities such as men cannot change into women, and it's unfair and unsafe for trans women to compete in women's sports. She also showed her opposition of the British government reform laws such as the Gender Recognition Act of 2004. So Forstarter filed a complaint with the Central London Employment Tribunal stating that her tweets should be protected under the 2010 Equality Act, saying, My belief is that sex is a biological fact and is immutable. There are two sexes, male and female. Men and boys are male. Women and girls are female. It is impossible to change sex. These were until very recently understood as basic facts of life by almost everyone. The judgment removes women's rights and the right to freedom of belief and speech. It gives judicial license for women and men who speak up for objective truth and clear debate to be subject to aggression, bullying, no platforming, and economic punishment. Right. In response to that, she did tweet before this, so before she actually lost her job, right, she had put out a tweet that said, what I am so surprised at is that smart people who I admire, who are absolutely pro-science in other areas and champion human rights and women's rights, are tying themselves in knots to avoid saying the truth, that men cannot change into women because that hurts men's feelings. Some transgender people have cosmetic surgery, but most retain their birth genitals. Everyone's equality and safety should be protected, but women and girls lose out on privacy, privacy, safety, and fairness if men are allowed into changing rooms, dormitories, prisons, sports teams. Um, I share con- the concerns of fair play women that radically expanding the legal definition of women so that it can include both males and females makes it a meaningless concept and will undermine women's rights and protections for vulnerable women and girls. That's such a like a bullshit thing to say is that trans rights is excluding women's rights. Right. It's basically what she's saying in that. And that is something that is very, like, upsetting to me because a trans woman 
would be included in women's rights to me. Right, as it should be, because yes. trans women are women. But that's the problem, is TERFs do not believe that yes. trans women are women. They believe that trans women are men, and they, therefore they believe that trans women are encroaching on women's rights because yes. they're not women. And there's something very weird about her uh, stance and belief in science and being disappointed in those who believe in science who believe that there could be more than two genders because there is science behind a lot yes. of, uh, you know, body dysmorphia and trans issues that they go through, from my understanding, seems very scientific to me in a lot of ways. And the whole idea of a... Um, of a surgery to change your sexual organs, to me, is part of science. Well, and yes, I understand she's using the word sex, but as far as we're talking about, like, gender, yeah, m- multiple genders have existed forever and, in fact, can be found in nature. Yes. Um, so when she says things, like she has, where she, where she said, um, when men wear makeup, heels, and dresses, they don't become women. Yeah. It's minimizing the issue to such a staggering, insulting degree. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting that you mentioned that so many animals in nature do that because um, the kid I take care of loves watching nature documentaries. mm -hmm. And he's like, this fish is male until this time and then they become female or vice versa and like he just takes that as fact he's like that's because it is the bot exactly because that is what nature is and also there are so many biological factors as well as just letting people fucking live their lives and identify as they Mm -hmm. want to and so this became a problem because she was a tax preparer so she put out these tweets. Yeah, she's a gover- she's a government worker. Right, and they saw them and they were like, "Well, that's an issue because she also believes that trans women holding certificates that recognize their transgender identity cannot describe themselves as women." Yeah. So she was also intentionally even if somebody had a certificate basically from the state yeah. uh, or you know from the government or that, a driver's license or anything like that. Yeah. That said that they were a woman. If she knew them to be transgendered, she would intentionally misgender them. Yes. Right? Which is extremely fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she argued whenever she... So she got fired, and then the, she was trying to get her job back, essentially. Yes. And she argued that framing the question of transgender inclusion as an argument that male people should be allowed into women's spaces discounts women's rights to privacy and is fundamentally illiberal. And she equated it to forcing Jewish people to eat pork, allowing trans women into women's spaces. <laughs> um, I have nothing to say to that. Well, now we got to get into what J.K. Rowling threw into the mix. Right. Well, okay. Sorry. Sorry. I don't you want to no, keep interrupting more, you. Say more. No, it's fine. Just before um, J.K. Rowling jumped in, so... Up until this point, everything in England, there were people taking sides, people yeah. who were standing with her, people who were obviously extremely upset yeah. and opposed. Hashtag I stand with Maya. So they went up and they had a central London employment tribunal about this situation. Yes. And basically her lawyers were trying to say that there was a 2010 Equality Act yes. um, that would allow her to basically share her opinion yes. on the matter without losing her job. So a judge then disagreed, and he said, um, 
he upheld the firing and he said, it is a core component of her belief that she will refer to a person by the sex she considers appropriate, even if it violates their dignity and or creates yes. an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating, or offensive environment. If a person has transitioned from male to female and has a gender recognition certificate, a GRC, that person is legally a woman. That is not something Miss Forrestarter Forestator, whatever. I think it's Forestarter. Um, is entitled to ignore. Uh, her position is that even if a trans woman has a GRC, she cannot honestly describe herself as a woman. That belief is not worthy of respect in a democratic society. Yeah, so yeah. she's gone through all of this. Yep. And at the end of the day, this person, this judge wrote like a fucking t- like six page takedown where yeah. he was like, absolutely not, not on my watch. And after that, is when JK decided to jump to her defense. <clears throat> the tweet reads, with all the tweets, I feel like I'm talking about Donald Trump. Yeah, tweet, like, tweet, tweet. She does use Twitter a lot. Yeah, she she tweets like a Trump, I'm just going to say. So she tweets, Dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who will have you. Live your best life in peace and security. But force women out of their jobs for stating sex is real? Hashtag I stand with Maya. Hashtag this is not a drill. Right. And look, this is not the first time. That she has been called out. I'd heard this years before. Yeah, but that it people happened were recently like, that you and I were like, oh shit. Remember well, a couple was, weeks ago? It was this one, yes. Is this, this the one that this happened, one happened at the beginning of December, I think. Yep. So this is the one that happened a couple weeks ago. This is when finally everyone is just like, enough. Like, mm-hmm. enough. Because it's been going on for a long time. I knew it'd been whispered in Harry Potter fan groups and mm-hmm. circles that JK was a turf. And it was very sad because there were a lot of... Um, trans people who identified very strongly with Harry Potter. Like, anybody. Like, anyone who was growing up in that time. Also, anybody who was an outsider or felt like they were bullied. They clung to those books. It was a good place to go. Right. And she's come out as an LGBT or, sorry, an LGB ally in the past. Like, she tweeted on coming out day. There was, like, a a picture with Harry Potter where it said no one should have to live their life in a closet. Right? Because, like, Harry Potter grew up in a closet. And so... She had made donations. She'd spoke out for, um, you know, the, like, gay and lesbian communities. And so people saw her as an ally in a lot of ways. And so she just took it away. And somebody even tweeted a response saying, a whole magical world, but you can't comprehend trans rights. Right. Yeah, it's (sighs) insane. So in 2018, she liked a tweet that described trans women as men in dresses, and she claimed that this was due to having a, quote, middle-aged moment in which she held her phone incorrectly and favorited a tweet on accident. (laughs) Not saying it can't happen, but kind of saying, like... Really? You can also, like, unfavorite it. Be like, oh, shit, I didn't oh, mean to whoops. do that. Or, right. like... Yes. Or it's just... It's and it, such it, a dumb excuse. It rang hollow also because the year before that, she had liked an article which discussed the possibility that trans women were really men trying to infiltrate real women's spaces, quote-unquote. <sighs> and the author of that article was a woman named Janice Turner, who is a very outspoken and known turf mm-hmm. and has written articles calling trans women in prisons a threat to quote, real women. Um, So this was kind of like three strikes you're out. I mean, already people were like, this is no accident that you keep... You can't keep keep making the accident over and over again. It's not an accident. And the thing about these women, and we could have an entire um, episode, maybe we should at some point, really talking about and getting into what turf is, like what it is, because these are women who they believe 
they believe truly that they are feminists yeah. and that part of their feminism is standing up for women who are having their spaces invaded. Exactly. Right? It's a very twisted uh, view of, I think, radical feminism. I believe that they think that they are standing up for women's rights and doing good to the community when, in fact, we should be in- we should be encouraging people to include trans rights more and more in feminism. Right. Like, it goes back to what we've said always. If your feminism is not intersectional, it is not feminism. It's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and she, as far as I know, has not responded to criticism in the past. Like, with that tweet that she favorited and things like that, there have been responses where she's kind of come out and backpedaled and yeah. said, oh, I didn't mean it like that. Her latest tweet is so clear where she stands. Is it still on her page? Uh, it is. I looked oh, today. Um, and it's it's so clear where she stands because she literally says sex is a biological thing. I don't see how anyone could dispute this. Yep. Um, so she puts it down very much in black and white, and there is no backpedaling from this yeah. at all, and she hasn't tried to. As far as I know, I I tried to find anything today where she put out any kind of statement. Uh, she hasn't done that. I don't think she will do that. And, um, yeah, it's it's very disheartening to know that, like, someone who I very much looked up to as a female icon, she yeah. was a, a writer, she was highly successful, she fueled my childhood. Yeah, for real. Um, it's really, really, really sad and it upsetting. Is. Um, it's like, it's, it's taking away from something that was so pure and happy and right. something, and you wanted to believe that your favorite author was someone who was progressive and was making a stand and having children even be part of that conversation. You know, like we don't live, we shouldn't live in a world now where, kids can't see gay characters on television and in Mm -hmm. movies and in books. We should be living in a world where that is accepted. And we had a belief that she wanted us to live in that world. Right. And now she's taking away something that her fan base is going to be crushed by. Right. And it's, I, I do think it's a good example of how complicated human beings are and how they can get it so wrong In some ways. Uh, And unfortunately, I I really do in 2020 want to move away from this idea of complete cancel culture. Yes. Uh, But unfortunately, what it means for me is that I can no longer idolize this person. Yes. I can appreciate the things that I have taken out of it um, and will continue to appreciate that. But unfortunately, like, I can no longer say that I think that J.K. Rowling is a hero or even really, like, a great person. Yeah. Um, well, and that's and that's the thing. It, it boils down to at about, you know, the 55 minutes that we're in at this point of the episode and every problematic fave, isn't that what we go back to? You yeah. know, listen to Taylor Swift's music, listen to John Lennon's music, appreciate the good they've done in the world because they have done good in the world, but also be aware that you're favorites, your heroes may have had blind spots and draw your own lines. I cannot drill that harder in every episode that we do. You know, it's all about your own lines and your own understanding and what you believe works best for you. Aware of it. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, I will always say now that anytime anyone wants to talk to me about JK Rowling, there's no way I can't bring this up. Like, yeah. I'm going to bring this up yeah. as a problem. Like, this is an issue uh, with her. And no matter how much I love Harry Potter, 
and will always. Yeah. You know. And you could be a fan of Harry Potter and not be a fan of J.K. Rowling. Yes. That's and that's fine. that's kind of where it comes down to yeah. is like you just need to make that that decision is and and it's hard to do. Again, yeah, we've had that conversation. Is it possible to separate the artist from the art? Is it and possible? And I think I think with some things some things it is, you some have things to it choose isn't. to do it. Yeah. You know, it's not an inherent thing like can you block it out? It's it's everybody's um ability to take in certain information. There are certain comics that I can't watch. Can't, can't think support they're funny. anymore. Yeah, and like even, you know, they they aren't um what's the guy who exposed himself? Louis C.K. Like it's nothing like that, but it's like even just some comic comics with the way that they speak, like Dave Chappelle. Like sure. there are things that he does where I can't right. I can't think it's funny. And I can't I, watch it. It's upsetting to me. I also think that there is this element, and this becomes a very slippery slope, so be careful with this what I'm about to say next, because I I do think that it can be um we can go down kind of a dangerous path when you start thinking this way. But I have to say it because world sucks right now. Like, it's really hard. And like I said in our mini-episode, listening to the news, watching the news, um, it takes something out of you emotionally. And if you have something that is bringing you... Joy. Joy. Which for me, lately, has been at night getting in bed and reading a couple chapters of Harry Potter before going to sleep, then you have to kind of make those decisions for yourself. What you can... Then watch Dave Chappelle if he's your favorite comedian. Watch How I Met Your Mother if it's a show that you enjoy. Yes, there's a certain amount of something that brings you comfort, like, and allowing yourself to have that thing that brings you comfort with also knowing the ways in which it's an issue and speaking out about that. Yes. You know, yeah. That's all it is. And that's why we do these episodes, too, because we've always discussed things that we've enjoyed. We're, you know, the notebook, How I Met Your Mother. We've not discussed any problematic favorites that we didn't enjoy. That's why they're favorites. It's because they were people or things or art that we've consumed. Yeah, so we are not sitting here telling you, don't enjoy this, don't read these books, don't see this movie. It's all about your own lines, and it's about being as educated as you can about what you consume. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) we both did it you all it feels so good to be back in this closet doing what we love again great to interact with you all and if you have anything that you wanted to add about our uh episode today anything about jk rowling that we forgot anything you didn't know something you want to discuss ask us questions about all of the above, email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and direct message us there at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we rarely use, but you can check it out anyway at Yamf Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can chat with other ragers in the group page. You can go ahead and rate and review us on our business page. We love it. We really love it when you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't already, go ahead and do that. Also, if you don't already listen to us on Radio Public, if you are so inclined, it is a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit. You guys, it's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to Cheer rage on. on. Bye. We both had our hands like this, too. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.